Thank you for listening to the FCS Podcast with your hosts, Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, do you believe? here on the FCS podcast on the Believe Podcast Network coming to you this time from opposite ends of the coast. Uh, Sean on the horrendous coast of Virginia and I am out here in California. Somehow we were able to actually line this thing up and and get recording. Day late, but we were able to do it, Sean. God, I I should have done the intro. If you're going to start off being very offensive and pro California, <laughs> I should have done the intro. I'm not pro California. I told oh, you this. It's I not get that, it. It's I not get like it. I'm okay. There's earthquakes and, and crap. The first day I get here, I experience an earthquake for the first time. So it's not like I'm, you know, in some paradise out here. Look, I get it. Bron is just a a big uh, California roll, and you're just buttering him up. I get it, Joe. Oh, you're okay. trying you know to get what? closer with the big the big boss. No, no. I get what you're doing. East Coast sucks, bro. <laughs> it sucks. I've been out here for three days. West I'm not Coast on life. That. I'm not on that on that on that boat yet. I'm not there yet. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. You know what I'm doing. Hey, Brown, do you need an assistant, man? I loved California, man. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Screw off. Oh, so now that the gambit's yeah. up, I, I have the I have the upper hand. You want to start getting crass. Got yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, now that I've been out here, as we both like to do, because we like to listen to other um, ra- uh, talk sports radio shows and kind of see what they do. And so I flipped to like the first one I could find and... Uh, Colin Cowherd is the you know is the the midday shift out here, which I had no clue. He, he he's broadcasted on the on the LA airwaves. But the one thing that I kind of took away from listening to a couple different shows though is that I, I would have thought that the fans out here would have been a lot worse when they call in. But they're the most like level headed people I've listened to call into a show before. It's insane. They actually have good points and they don't sound like absolute buffoons when they try and talk to to. Uh, to the radio show host. I'm not bringing up uh, Jason Giambi every time. No. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot going on, so I think everyone's trying to come off as, like, the, the smartest guy on the room on the uh, on the airwaves over there in L.A. Well, uh, yeah, you, With all the NBA news. So yeah. They're, they're trying to keep it docile. I would have thought that with the whole Kawhi thing, and, and people are actually really pissed at Kawhi that are Lakers fans, that he chose not – to uh, to join the Lakers and he and he strung them along and waited so long to only pick the opposite team in L.A. But again, people are very very level headed out here. You know, if you if that happened in New York, it would just be a bunch of people calling in making some dumbass comment co- saying there's some conspiracy going on out in out in New York and all that nonsense. But you know, out here they're just making decent comments. They're like, oh, I hope Kawhi does well, even though I'm a Lakers fan. That kind of thing. That stinks. <laughs> I you just want, don't like it that people are nice out here. Is that I want saying? aggression on the airwaves. That's what I want. <laughs> you're not going to get that. Sean, did you hear the uh, new Post Malone song? With Young Thug? Yeah, I've been playing it all day, every day. W- with who? I swear to God, I, I can't. <laughs> oh, my God. Why do you uh, do this? Young Young Thug owned that song. He, he's no, he didn't. It's a Post Malone good. song. I get it, but his verse has 
far better than posties. I beg to differ. You wouldn't <laughs> okay. be listening to it as much. If you, are, are you saying that you just like skip to the parts where Young Thug? Is no, I, I kind of turn the volume down until I know when the because I've listened oh. to it enough. Like I know okay. when exactly when Thug comes in, so I just you know uh, I turn it up then. All right, I got you. All right, so we have a, a decent amount to talk to today as we're on our next wave of positional previews. This time, talking about the top receivers in the FCS for 2019. But before we get to that. As always, we have our news and our discussion about what is happening currently in the FCS and obviously still the offseason, so there's not really that much going on. Um, the first thing, though, and we don't typically talk a ton about these transfers just because there's a ton of them at this point in time, but this one is a pretty intriguing one because you have a guy that's leaving from a bottom-feeding school going to arguably the, one of the top teams in FCS. So Chris Thornton... Uh, a record-setting receiver at VMI is now transferring to JMU. He's not eligible to play. Sadly, he does not make it on this list because he won't be playing next year because he has to sit out. But still, a pretty big shockwave in the world of the FCS because a top-level receiver is leaving to go to a, be uh, a better team. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think with these military schools also, you see players, quality players fly under the radar. And then if you do see some exceptional talent and you get a transfer like that, I don't know. You just hope everything would go smoothly. I'm, it, I'm pretty bummed out that it, it's not and he has to sit out a year. Uh, but, you know, I guess the, the next year, I'm really excited to see what he does with Jamie. It's kind of funny to think about it that college sports doesn't really allow for the type of movement we see in the NBA, but this is, that's a very similar to move to where a, a guy didn't want to be at the lower level program. He knew he was good enough and he left and now he has a great offer to, to play at it with a great program once he's eligible in a year. So right. uh, kind of an interesting correlation there between the two sports. Between basketball and uh, college football. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of interesting that we see all these big movements going on, you know, Kawhi going to the Clippers um, you know, AD gets traded to the Lakers, that kind of stuff. And, you know, we have something similar happening, which you would, would, would not even expect to happen at the FCS level. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, I guess the NCAA is super worried about possible tampering and stuff like that. Uh, which is weird because I don't know what tampering is with the NBA. If we're going to, yeah. if we're going to bring this, uh, correlation here between the two, I don't know what tampering is. I don't know if, if just conversations between players is or isn't. And if it is, where's the line drawn between this is tampering, this is not. And I think the NCAA at least has some type of understanding of what tampering is and could be and how to prevent it. So I have to give them a nod on that because uh, they're at least making an effort, I'd say. Mm -hmm. I mean, being realistic, there probably was some type of preliminary conversation that swayed a guy like uh, Chris Thornton into leaving. Guys aren't really going to leave unless they know they have an opportunity, um, right. unless they're very confident in themselves. Like we've even seen guys at URI who thought they could leave URI after having a good year and move up to FBS, and then those offers never came, and they ended up stuck at a Division two school. So, um, yeah, it, the the issue of tampering can be kind of tough and it's probably a little bit easier to get away with uh with college football because there's so many players there's you know so many backdoor ways to get away with it 
with that being said, the next thing we have in the news, which we love to kind of pick out and talk about articles that we stumble upon and find. And uh, from our guy, Craig Haley at Stats FCS, he put together a list of college football players who could be selected in the 2020 NFL draft. And it's a a good list of guys. We're not going to name all of them, but we spoke about pretty much every single one of these guys in here. Sadly, there's no quarterbacks, which is a little bit interesting. But are there any guys on here, Sean, that really um, struck your interest? Uh, Well, my guy that we talked about last week that I covered Mm -hmm. my first running back uh, that I covered James Robinson. I like that he was on the list. Okay. Uh, after seeing some analysis of him, I'm glad me and Haley, uh, me and Mr. Craig Haley, uh, agree on that. Uh, and that made me happy to see. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think he. There. Yeah, I don't think he compiled this list based on his own analysis. I think it was more um, my, uh, based on my analysis. Yeah, yeah. You know, he just listens to what you have to say, and then he's like, "All right, you know, we're gonna we're gonna pop this one together." Sean knows what he's doing. <laughs> just gives me a contributor tag. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, you know, it's worth noting cause we're talking about receivers today. The one receiver that made the list is Josh Pearson, who we're going to get to very shortly, who is really an electric receiver for Jacksonville state. Um, but like I said, we're going to talk about him a little bit today cause he really needs to be spoken about in this top conversation of best receivers in the country. Uh, uh last thing wait. though, uh, yeah. Last thing though, that we have, and we're continuing this trend of, Following along with Jim Nagy, the uh, director of um, the Reese's Senior Bowl, who loves to put out his small school Saturdays uh, and putting out those guys that are on his big board to watch. And this past Saturday, his list continued. And I'm just going to kind of run through them because it's fun to talk about him. Uh, quarterback Tiano, Nick Tiano from Chattanooga. Uh, LaCal London, defensive lineman from Western Illinois, same school as Kalen Saunders. Chris Agamang, defensive lineman from Sacred Heart. Isaiah Swan, corner from Dartmouth. Adam Troutman, tight end from the University of Dayton, who is on that list that Craig Haley put together as potentially getting drafted. DJ Floyd, who is a safety from Princeton. So we have two Ivy League guys. And then finally, the man that we spoke about a ton two weeks ago, in Jake Mayer from UC Davis. That's a good list. Yeah, it, it is a pretty good list. Um, that being said, Sean, why don't we hop right on into our top receivers? Do we want to uh, do we want to talk about me making the grown man cry at the end of the receivers and the wrap up? Uh, what do you mean the grown man cry? Well, you, it, it, well I, you know, the interaction from a... a ah. Um, <laughs> we could say, do, we, do we want to save that for the end? Yeah, we'll save that to the end. I forgot I was going to make a joke about that in the beginning. I completely forgot about it. No, it's fine. I, I had a very clever joke. No, we'll make a we'll have a, we'll have a, a conversation about that. That'll be at the very end or wrap up point. <laughs> I, I just didn't know because, I, you know, I'm not no, sure if that is super newsworthy, but, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. it it's uh, it's not newsworthy, but it's so damn funny that you always find a way to piss someone off. So we are going to talk about that. <laughs> I didn't. I had no intention of pissing anybody off. Oh man, I, I, we're going to get to it, folks. I was just practicing tuned. Satya. That's all I was doing. <laughs> what the hell is Satya? All right, it's, we're gonna. It's a tenant. Just okay. Can we get the receivers? Yeah, we're gonna. So 
Kicking things off with talking about our top receivers in the FCS, we have a wonderful list compiled for you and a ton of guys coming back. Pretty much all of them coming back had over 50 receptions and over 1,000 yards receiving. Some of these guys also had over 10 touchdowns, and it's crazy to think that we get another season to watch for some of the guys on this list. First guy, and we spoke about him when we covered the um, Pioneer League, and that is Michael Bandy from San Diego, smaller, more compact receiver, five foot 11, 190 pounds. Last season, he was a stat sheet stuffer, 88 receptions, 1,698 yards, almost hit 1.7K, and 14 receiving touchdowns. That's more than one touchdown a game. Um, he really jumped onto the scene last year because his first two years, he was pretty much non-existent. He didn't have over 30 receptions. He didn't have over 400 yards receiving, uh, sitting behind a, a decent crop of upperclassmen receivers. But the minute he took that opportunity last year, he was a go-to threat for Anthony Lawrence. In watching his tape, and there wasn't a ton to go off of, but I was actually able to see something other than just highlights, so it kind of put his play more into perspective. The things that I noticed is that he really is the definition of a possession receiver. He is not a burner. He's not that fast. Um, that does not mean he is not good at finding separation. He does, however, need a strong level of separation if he wants to make a catch. I saw him struggle a little bit in one-on-one -on -one situations um, and getting bullied a little bit by some receivers, but that that's almost expected from a smaller receiver at his size. But he is very quick despite not being a long-speed type of player. The one thing that I am really focused on seeing is how he's going to do with a new quarterback not having Anthony Lawrence to help him out and find him and use him as his go-to threat it's going to be interesting to see if he'll still be able to put up that level of numbers can I get to Josh Pearson uh yeah there, you know there was nothing holding you down okay I was just just wondering you know okay Josh Pearson Jacksonville State six foot four Joe 205 pounds Excellent frame. Last year, he had 67 catches, 1,123 yards. And, uh, Joe, am I reading this right? Yeah. Are you sure? It's not a typo. Um, I think I spelled that word right. Yeah, go ahead. 17 touchdowns? <laughs> or did you write that? 17 touchdowns, <laughs> Joe. That's ridiculous. Yep. That is absolutely insane. In one season. I mean, that's averaging... I mean, uh, let's go quick maths here. That's like 1.6 touchdowns a game. Uh, yeah, depending on how many games he played, that sounds Off about the right. Off top of my head, yeah. Uh, from what I saw from his tape, thank you, Josh Pearson, for making a highlight tape. It makes it easier on everybody, and it helps you as well. <laughs> he had great body control from what I saw, and he makes his QB look good. That is something that I think scouts really look for, that he – um, if he's making it work with quarterbacks at the FCS level that may not be uh, looked at as going on to the uh, professional level or, or a secondary level after college. Well, Zarek Cooper is his quarterback. I got you, but I'm just saying he makes yeah, his quarterback Cooper, look good. If you can make a quarterback look good in college, then when you're paired with a quarterback at the next level that is obviously a next-level quarterback, then the, the sky is the limit. He has strong hands. He snatches the ball from defensive backs. He is fast. He has a, a very good jump. And Joe, did I mention he had 17 touchdowns last year? 
Uh, no, I don't think he did. I think okay. he forgot about that one. Well, he had 17 touchdowns last year. <laughs> How many times did you write down 17? You're like, oh, yes, this is this needs to be pointed out. <laughs> I, want, I wanted to go for an, a, another two notes about his uh, his play, you know, maybe uh, how he breaks off routes and, and then how um, how he uh, gets vertical uh, down the field really well. And then I would have added 17 touchdowns one more time. So in the tape that you were able to find on him, were a lot of those touchdowns red zone catches or was he able to create those opportunities and extend plays and score on those most of the touchdowns were i i'd say it's a healthy mix between 50 to 40 yards out uh Mm -hmm. and then within 25 yards i mean it's not like he they were just uh throwing uh quick slants on the goal line or or throwing fades on the goal line which obviously you know you're not going to discredit either of those touchdowns but he is breaking away he is getting uh it's a complete mixed bag of touchdowns from Pearson. Yeah, if if I'm um you know, if I if I'm trying to find a a, a direct correlation to a level of hype as far as his draft potential, I think Keelan Doss is really a perfect one, not as far as style of play, um but Keelan Doss really makes me compare well to the two of them as far as where he could fit in the draft. A lot of people thought Keelan Doss was going to be a, like a fourth round pick, ends up going undrafted. But Josh Pearson really has the measurables and the play to back it up to potentially be a draftable prospect. Easily. Right after him is Cade Johnson, South Dakota State. Oh, wait, we need to point out, we forgot to point out beforehand that this is in no particular order. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this is in no particular order, but you know, be ready for hearing that you know, one of these guys was number three or four on our list, even though we don't have a ranking on the list. <laughs> the next up on our list, Cade Johnson, South Dakota State, five foot ten, 180 pounds, more small and compact, but that does not mean he is not, or that does not mean he is. Wow, well, I have too many double, too, too many double negatives. In Here this, we go. That Cade Johnson plays much bigger than he actually is, despite being a relatively undersized receiver. 67 receptions, 1,132 receiving yards, and then also very similar to Josh Pearson, 17 receiving touchdowns. Very shifty, very, very quick guy. It's what you like to see from a lighter receiver. What I kind of hoped I would see from Michael Bandy, Kate Johnson actually emulated that in being fast, shifty, tough to take down. Um Kind of like that jitterbug style of play that once he gets the ball, he's able to make a couple moves and, and squirm his way out of tackles and extend those plays and create large touchdowns. Also really like his body control. If uh, There were a couple instances where I saw him being able to redirect his body posture and his angle when a throw was thrown to his opposite shoulder. You love to see that, especially if you bring a guy in and he's playing with a quarterback. Um that's not as consistent with their accuracy. If he can make those catches, despite not being in position to make them, that's really a promising sign for a guy. Negative one minus negative one is nothing, Joe. Uh, next wide receiver. What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> that's a big boy line. Uh, no, Brett, what are you? What is that in relation to? I don't oh, to your double you're... negatives earlier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Next receiver on the list, Bryce Nanelli, Chattanooga wide receiver, six foot two, one hundred ninety pounds, seventy nine catches last year, one thousand two hundred thirty seven yards and seven touchdowns. No tape to come along with that. Bryce Nanelli, please make a highlight tape. 
<laughs> you can't put that on him. If you want to go and get more exposure, you have to make a highlight tape. I'm okay. a rube. I have a, I have a compilation <laughs> of highlights saved on my phone. It would take me 10 minutes to make them all into one tape, and I am not going on to the second level. Well, you wait, have wait, a may- chance. Maybe he has them saved on his phone, but he's waiting to put them out there. Okay. You maybe need to stop waiting, Mr. Nanelli. You need to stop. You need to get it out there early. Well, I don't know if you remember when we spoke about him when we were covering Chattanooga in their conference. Um, Nanelli really was the perfect comparison, I think, to Cooper Cup. Um, and I know that's a bit He's optimistic. Six two. He was a, Cooper Cup 6'2 also, remember? Oh, did have we gone over this twice? Yeah, we had this conversation. Cooper oh. Cup, um, not a long speed guy, but very sure hands. Um, and a great route runner, just a like the definition of fundamentals. And I, I, without being able to really see much from the Nelly, I still think that's a very apt comparison for the two of them. I really hope that he's able to um, excel next season and put himself on that type of a radar. Right after Nelly, Jaquez Ezard from Howard, the second man playing alongside Kalen Newton and was really his go-to option. He is not that big. He's very, very small, five foot nine, 190, but he was able to rack up last year 40 receptions, 1,064 yards, and 12 touchdowns. I'd like to see some more catches from him next year. Maybe he'll get some more targets, and hopefully Kalen Newton is a little bit more consistent in his accuracy. But the one thing I was able to really pinpoint is that he is the absolute true definition of a deep threat, a small, very, very fast guy that runs the go route and also runs post routes very, very well. If you get him open on either one of those routes, it's a guaranteed touchdown. He's not going to drop the ball. He's going to make the play. Um, and he also does a very good job of, of getting open on those routes as well. There was one play in particular I noticed that he can make some pretty tricky catches, and he was able to make a one-handed snag on the sideline and then go out of bounds. So his hands are very, very evident in uh, watching him play. The the final note that I really have on him, and it kind of goes into correlation with everything else, is that he is really explosive, and he is a touchdown threat on every single play. If you get him the ball, he will find a way to score if the opportunity is there. Yes, almost like a uh, Deshaun Jackson, as it were. Yes, but a little bit smaller than Deshaun Jackson. Remember when Deshaun Jackson took the punt return uh, for the game-winning touchdown uh, against the Giants? I, 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 I plead the fifth. Okay. Next. Those are like one of those are like one of my my earliest memories as a Giants fan is watching that crap happen. But get, go go on to go on to our next guy. Who's his quarterback? Thirty six year old Michael Vick. Oh, jeez. Next wide receiver. <laughs> go next ahead. wide receiver. Nathan Stewart, Sam Houston State, six feet tall, one hundred and eighty pounds. He has accumulated three 1,000-yard seasons with over 50 receptions in college. Off year last year, uh, 58 receptions, 1,063 yards, and five touchdowns. Uh, from the tape that I saw, his acceleration is off the charts. He catches the ball, and he gets the next five to ten yards in the blink of an eye. Uh, he wins jump balls also, despite not being a jump ball receiver. You don't see six-foot-tall receivers going up and besting uh defensive backs as often as he does i guess that just shows how much trust they have in his hands and vert 
and uh, ball reading ability to be able to come down with it as a six foot uh, receiver, because I'm sure there are taller receivers on Sam Houston state, but they just keep on throwing him the high ball and he just keeps on coming down with it. He can utilize the whole route tree. Uh, I mean, he's just a really solid, solid receiver top to bottom. And I also stand by my statement that Sam Houston state has the ugliest uniforms in the FCS. You're going to stand by that statement from was that our yes. first episode you spoke about that? They, yes, they are the ugliest. Ah, uh, how uh, how very uh, pleasant of you. Well, the the one uh, the one thing though that I that is obviously needs to be spoken about is that Nathan Stewart could have a little bit more hype surrounding him, but his lack of ability to um, be consistent in his statistics and his performance kind of draws some question to him because the season before last year, he had 1600 receiving yards and then he's been kind of on and off since then. So I don't know if it's been a, a lack of quality quarterback play or what the, you know, the full deal is, but you, you'd like to see a stronger um, level of play from him and a, a, an ability to establish consistency. Right after him, Mitch Guler from Idaho State, six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds, an enormous receiver, almost a, as big as a tight end, I would argue. And fun fact, he is a former minor league pitcher, minor league baseball player with the Philadelphia Phillies organization, and then he decided to come back to baseball, or sorry, back to football. I don't know how old he is. He, you know, he could very well be twenty eight, but I have absolutely uh, no information regarding how, how old he is but last year he had 62 receptions 1,259 yards and nine touchdowns only real note that I have on him that really stood out to me is that he moves very very well for a very big receiver he's heavier he's taller but that does not stop him from being able to put the burners on and finish off a uh, a strong catch and outrun defensive backs Next receiver, Joe. I'm going to one up you on the height, not on the weight here. Samuel Akem yep. from Montana, six foot four, 196 pounds. Last year, he had 59 catches, 879 yards, and 13 touchdowns. Count him 13. Uh, he is a fantastic possession receiver. By that, I mean in the highlights that they put up, he watches that ball all the way into from his hands to his chest and makes sure that the catch is made before turning it up the field. Uh, he is a safety net for his quarterbacks at the wide receiver position, which means that for future prospects towards the NFL, if he wanted to put on 30 pounds, something like that, he could be a tight end. He has that ability to lock that ball in with his long arms and big hands. He can do that and make sure that the catch is made for the first down six, seven, eight yards. But that doesn't mean he can't take it out the, uh, take it over the top either. He, uh, also, you know, can take the top off the defense, catch the long ball, do whatever he needs to do. I would say for this next year, he does need to try and put on 10 more pounds and then he'll be unstoppable. I mean, six foot four, he's still, he's got a really good frame, but he just needs to add a little more weight on. Continuing our trend of enormous receivers, Reed Klubnik, six foot three, 200 pound receiver from Yale of all places, an Ivy League guy squeaking his way onto the list. Uh, two weeks in a row, we had an Ivy League guy on our positional list uh, but he last year he had 73 receptions 1,143 yards and nine touchdowns could not find any tape on him but it's pretty promising to see a guy that's six foot three and that heavy being able to rack up that many receptions and being a reliable target for uh 
a, a young quarterback that they have at Yale. And the one highlight that I did see of uh, Klubnik was him yep. catching the one-handed ball in the back corner of the uh, the end zone. Did you see okay. that as well, Joe? I did not. I could not find that. It was about 20 yards out. He, uh, wow. I mean, the really good coverage by the defensive back. Lays out one-handed grab. I think it might have been on Sports Center. If it wasn't, then it's a crime. <laughs> um, the last wide receiver on our list, Aaron Parker from the University of Rhode Island, six foot three, two hundred pounds. Last year, he had sixty-one catches, nine hundred seventy-two yards, and ten touchdowns. Now, the Rhode Island receivers. The comparison that you make and you see is almost to that of the Atlanta Falcons wide receiving core where Isaiah Coulter is a lot like Calvin Ridley and Joe. Mm-hmm. And that means that Aaron Parker is like Julio Jones. I mean, sub 25 pounds. But by that, I mean, it's jump balls. It's quick slants. It's uh, vertical routes. It's 10 and outs, 10 and ins. It's whatever receiving package play you want to draw up. He can make that happen uh he's really athletic i mean it's just really impressive to see him make the plays that he's able to make and you know he did he does shine i mean he's the last year he's had two very capable quarterbacks that have been able to get him the ball and you see what he can do with that i mean he can stretch a a five-yard pass to 75 yards in an instant and it's just he's an electric receiver i mean that's that's what you can say about him and I don't know. I mean, he came in. I mean, he was recruited as a linebacker, if you if yeah. you recall. So I, I mean, do recall. He, I mean, he's an all around athlete. That's what he is. I mean, he he played quarterback in high school. He does it all. I I just I'm really really high on him. And you can't do not listeners don't credit this as a homer call. I get it. We're on the same team. But Joe and I try to be as professional as possible with this show and unbiased, and we're not trying to add in players from our own school. It's just somebody that we've seen that is exceptional. And we're going to put them on the list. Yeah. And, and we have two guys on here, but so AP being one of them and also uh, Akeem from Montana being the other that didn't have over a thousand yards, but we're just very close. If they had one more game, they, they would have been over that mark. They're more notable for having over 10 touchdowns, both of them. Um, but if you kind of notice in college football, if you have a, a younger receiver, that puts up that 800-yard range, over 50 receptions in 10 touchdowns, they're going to to surpass that by great lengths their senior year. I would be shocked if the both – sorry, if the both of them did not have um, over 1,100 receiving yards in their final seasons just because they weren't in the position to have enough opportunities to go over, and now they potentially should be. Um, it's also worth noting, though, that – and I'm sure we're definitely going to get comments on this, is that we did not include a uh, nice phone ring. Uh, it, it's worth including that we did not add Riley Stapleton, despite him being a hero sports uh, preseason All-American. The way that I look at it is that I do not think what we saw from him last year warrants us giving him a nod on this list. There were guys that outperformed him statistically um, by great lengths that we needed to put over him you know, just for very obvious reasons. Yeah. I mean, you can give us feedback about it if you want. You can do whatever you yeah. want with that. But, I mean, Joe just hit the, the the nail right on the head. I mean, that's that's what we decided. That's the choice. Um. All right. So, as far as our receiver discussion for 2019, 
we're going to wrap it up by talking about our freshmen to watch, which we're leaning towards doing every time we we, uh, do these positional rankings. Um, So the three guys that we have is Justin Odin from Tennessee Tech. The uh, wait is Tennessee Tech the school that your yeah your pops went to okay mm-hmm. uh, garbage school uh, Illinois State Jabari Kepra and then who's our last guy Sean Jaden Gibbs from UT Martin okay so two Tennessee schools have two top level recruits um, you know very promising for the both of them hopefully they can be early contributors especially because they had Power Five offers in. And actually, all three of these guys on 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 that list that we uh, accumulated. Finally, Sean, we're going to do our social media discussion before we have our conversation about what you did this weekend. Oh, okay. Um, we have one question from our friend Anthony Garrow, who is my former punter, uh, only a punter in Division One history to average only thirty yards a punt. Um, oh my god! And his question was, how much pressure is on JMU's new head coach, that being Signetti, to make a championship run? And Sean, you want to take a crack at this before I uh, chime in? I mean, there's always pressure. If you're a top tier FBS, FCS, Division Two, Division Three, JUCO uh, school, if you're lauded as what would be in the top tier in whatever conference you're in, then there's always pressure to make a championship run. I mean, is there not pressure for the Patriots every time that they? Um, suit up for the uh, for the next upcoming season. Of course, there is because we know the potential that they have and what they can do and what they can bring. And there's always going to be pressure when it comes to JMU and the FBS, FCS. Good God! Nice. In addition to that, it's worth noting that there are 20 of 22 starters returning, and if you have that level of veteran experience coming back, guys that have been there before, you need to put together a strong playoff run. If they're not at least in the FCS championship, I would be greatly concerned as uh, a JMU fan if they're not able to put it together with everything working for them. But, you know, Signetti's a great coach. He's great great at rallying guys and bringing them together. I do expect him to be able to put together um, a strong season for JMU, better than the 9-4 and four year that they had, which was a down year of all things for them last year. Now, Sean, I'm going to let you uh, start. No, no, this, I, I want this you to give – you need to give the prelude right now. No, no. no you it's your... need to do the prelude so I can explain myself. No, because I don't, I don't know if – I don't want to mess anything up. I don't know if I fully understand this story. Um, I'm going to let you speak. <laughs> um, Sean started fine. beef with the, uh, the Believe in Yoga guy. That's fine. Andrew old. Gordon's a chump. How about that? <laughs> That's how you started it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. He's a chump. What can I say? He doesn't right, know how right, to use wait, social wait. media. All right, let me all right, let me say this. Sean loves to start beef with people, and of all people he started beef beef with, he started it with the guy who has a yoga podcast. <laughs> you think you would like like you managed to anger who should probably be the most calm and level-headed person out of anyone on the believe how network. would you know that he's calm and level-headed by looking at the tweets that he puts yeah, out that's nothing is calm nothing is instagram true. he's got it he's got it on lockdown on instagram but the thing is he is old i think he's like 29 or 30 maybe older than that but the thing is 
you think that's old? <laughs> I'm just saying it's before our age where we know how to really use social media. You could okay. tell that it was once a personal account and then he switched it over to the Believe uh, Yoga account. Uh, and he's got like 3,000, 3,400 followers on Instagram. He's got that going well. But on Twitter, it's just his Believe Yoga whatever. And then he's got like 42 followers and he's just tweeting out all this political nonsense, which – I think we both agree on if you're tweeting political stuff from a branded account that is uh, specifically towards a yoga show, that's asinine, and we need to focus on what we are promoting from that account, which should be yoga. He has 3,400 followers on Instagram because a lot of it is yoga content. It is quality. The Instagram content is good. Twitter is garbage and if you want to do the political stuff it's so easy just make a personal account that's the entire basis of the conversation i was having with him is make a personal account and there's no issue and he took it to heart because he is soft and he doesn't understand how you use social media I mean, all I was saying is, hey, buddy, just get a personal account. You can tweet whatever you want. I'm not offended by what you were tweeting. I don't care. I couldn't care less. I don't care about the content that you are tweeting about personally. It doesn't affect me personally. But you need to understand that it could affect our brand potentially. You are isolating uh, potential listeners for the entire brand. Say they don't like yoga. But they see believe they look up leave, and but then they think everybody else is affiliated with the stuff that you're tweeting about, which is yep. so. It, it could possibly be cancerous to the brand, which it doesn't matter what aisle of politics that you subscribe to or what aisle of politics that you tweet about. Regardless, it could be dividing toward the brand and separate us from our listeners, which is harmful. And all I wanted to tell big dummy that just make a personal account. It's so simple. Make a personal account. And you know what he did? He turned the Believe Yoga account into just a personal account. So now we don't have a Believe Yoga Twitter account, oh, which I'm blocked from also, by the way, because that's how mature adults handle it. Uh, because he's spent yeah, he blocked you on he blocked you on both everything because he's a mature adult oh. and he spent 10 years in the radio industry and he's letting a 21 year old young gun get under his skin and give him a little uh, constructive criticism and he can't handle it because I don't know why. I don't know why. Because he's talking about yoga. You, you'd think he'd have a little more discipline and understanding for the other side or for somebody else if you're talking about yoga. God, I didn't want to get this fired have? up. I, it's not all I have. You're but very, it's you're just very so ridiculous. So now he's isolated. Now there's uh, no Believe Twitter yoga account. Now it's just he's turned that into his personal political account. Fine. But where's the Believe Yoga account now? Man, I just oh God, I, I hope, find it just so I funny that you managed to start a fight up. with someone. Uh, he, I wasn't trying to start a fight. <laughs> I don't uh, know. He thought nah, I was trying I to impede on his right to speech yeah, or something like that. I'm uh, like, I, no, dude, say whatever you want, which I've said a hundred times to you. Say whatever uh, you want. Yeah. Just don't do it under the branded name. You don't think people uh, behind the Wendy's Twitter or whatever other professional Twitter accounts have stuff that they want to like or favorite or tweet about? No, because they do it from their personal account like professionals do. Professional Twitter accounts handle professional matters. I think he blocked me too. 
I tell you, Believe has done a fantastic job up to this point. Yeah, he, we have been growing. We have been stable. There hasn't been any uh, uh, negative shakeups. Nothing. We've just experienced growth and positive uh, publicity. Everything. Believe has been on a roll. Bronze doing a great job. Everybody else is helping out. Is doing a great job. But this dope doesn't seem to get it. But because he's spent uh, quote unquote ten plus years in the commercial radio industry, he thinks that he's top dog. All right, that's fair. Yeah, I, I think he blocked me though. Just learn, says, yeah, learn how to use social media. It says tweets tweets aren't loading right now, but if I go to someone else's, it, everything, all their tweets pop up. Yeah, what? it would it would say I'm blocked though. I don't understand. That's that's bizarre. Does he have you blocked on Instagram? Wow. Uh, I don't know. Let me check because I don't think he followed me on Instagram. Did he follow you previously on Instagram? No. Okay. Oh, look, the URI Harrington school shouted you out. Look yeah, at you. That's no, so nice. But, um, um, let me look. Believe in. Oh, no, it did not block. He also me. deleted our conversation uh, from the messages. But I got the screenshots, buddy. You dope. <laughs> All right. You didn't okay, think here, about that. You know, okay, we need to be a little level headed for a second here. So, look, the only way that. The only thing I just want to kind of throw in is the way, the way that I look at the situation um, is I. I I just I think that it's a little bit unfair for him to get upset at you just because you were trying to um, air, you know, some type of concern. I mean, like, hey, if he if the guy was thought he was more experienced than you, then he, he could have been, you know, and you were framing it well that you were trying to seem as if uh, you weren't trying to come off as if you knew more than him or what was no. best for him. It's just. Yeah, I, I don't think that I think the reaction is a bit concerning because like you, you, to freak out over something like that, like like you're just trying to you're trying to look out for him and everyone else. And just now it, it turned to this and he's mad and you're mad. So, yeah, no, we're starting to be for the yoga podcast. I mean, we this. can't have a conversation anymore. I mean, this is uh, it's so reflective of what we are dealing with in just general society where we can't have yeah. a conversation with anybody anymore. So we're just going to block them because we don't necessarily agree with what they say. He didn't want to argue. He just wanted to to run away. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Is that your final thought? That's it. All right. Uh, that is going to be it for us here on the FCS podcast, the your go-to source for beefing with yoga podcasts. <laughs> um, thank you for tuning in as always and listening to Sean get all steamed up over over his incident over the weekend. It's fine. It's fine. Um, that being said, though, Make sure you check us out wherever you can find a podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, you name it. You can also find us on the Believe Podcasts uh, Network website. It's just Believe, B-L-E-A-V dot com. And also check out some of the other podcasts that they have available on the website as well. In addition to that, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to us. And drop us a review. We're still lacking some reviews. We have received some very good feedback Oh, you know what I just realized? Freaking Rusty never gave us his, his his vertical time. Rusty. All right. You know what? I hope Rusty listened this long. Rusty, I'm still waiting on your vertical. <laughs> he he at least told us he was going to do it. He did tell us he was going to do it. And he said it was it was incoming. He never gave it to us. <laughs> we got to tweet it. Can you tweet at him and say, like, hey, man, where's the vertical? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Oh, man. Um, all right. But that's going to be it for us. Thank you for tuning in as always. And have a wonderful rest of your day.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.